daily podcast where we discuss movie tombstone minute by minute. I'm joined as always by my good friend Joe, and today is our final Huckleberry Wednesday, and we have Meeks. Yeah, that's me. Please, uh, <laughs> can you refer to me by my cowboy name? Uh, was that uh, Saddlebags? Saddle, good old Saddlebags. And I brought my saddlebag along. And, <laughs> you know, it's right here. I'm reaching into it. And I have, as congratulations, uh, one cowboy drink apiece on me. Will you, will that, we you, cannot, we, that we can't access right now. Or uh, one item of cowboy clothing. It's... <laughs> Do we, is, it, is it like a blind grab bag, or do we get to choose what we want? Well, you know, you just, I mean, it's all in my saddlebags, so you just got to ask. <laughs> Will you order the drink for me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rob can't order his own drinks. I mean, that, that's what saddlebags is here for. <laughs> you know? He, he carries, that's what he, I'm here for, man. He carries around all the takeout menus from local restaurants with him. <laughs> that's right. It's all in there. It's all in my bags. Okay. Uh, well, t- we, today we are going to talk about. This will be three idiots talking about the the western genre. It's future. Speci- it's present and future specifically. But okay. to start, before we get into that, I've got another Amazon movie review for you guys. Are you ready? Yes. Totally. Rob, we, our, our, Meeks, we've been doing Amazon movie reviews to start our our credit episodes. So here here's a shorter one. Okay. <clears throat> This is a five-star review. This is my all-time favorite Western. Goes out of its way to stay authentic while bringing a modern big-screen experience to it. Only top-name actors of the time period it was made were in it. Probably my favorite part that Johnny Depp ever played. (laughs) Shut up. No way. (laughs) That's an expertly written joke. That is an expertly written joke. Is that... Is that a joke? Who did they think? Let's just take it at face value. Okay. Who did they think was Johnny Depp? Jason Val Priestley. Kilmer. Oh, I was thinking Val Kilmer. Jason Priestley. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess which character is most obscured by funny clothes and makeup? That's probably who they thought Johnny Depp was. It's, uh, yeah. What was Thomas Hayden Church's character? Um... Meeks Clanton, is just recording and teaching a karate class at the same time right now, if anyone's wondering what all that noise is. <laughs> what? Speaking <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of people named Billy speaking of people yeah. named Billy in the movie, uh I, I have my one my one note on the credits here, and then we can move on to this discussion. But Billy Are Claiborne, who's Zane? one of the one of the cowboys no, not Billy Zane. Billy Claiborne, one of the cowboys, is played by Wyatt Earp. Uh, and that's actually Wyatt Earp Third, who is the fifth cousin of Wyatt Earp. Uh, but since neither Virgil, Wyatt, or Morgan had sons, he's from the older half-brother Newton. So that's where Wyatt Earp III Good comes old from. Newt Earp. Old Newt. Old, the old Newt Earp. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping that you did a little bit of research Get on Newt. Get your pet spade or Newt Earps. <laughs> I did, I did not do any research on uh, Newton Earp. Did you? Do you know anything no. about him? I never didn't know he existed. 
he was the eldest child. Eldest child. That's all I know. <laughs> Meeks, didn't you say you did uh, some credits research? Well, so the thing there, there's there is I had a lot of credit stuff. If we want to go into it, uh, the first thing I don't know if you guys noticed this, uh, but it was a question. I have a question for Rob. Okay. Um, at the very end, there's that little paragraph that says uh, no animals were harmed during the making of this film. Were uh, when you read that, were you disappointed? <laughs> Just because I don't like horses doesn't mean I am pro horse death. You're not like <laughs> the Hitler of horses. No, I am not. But that does his, his desktop background and... is an animated gif of horses being killed in Conan. It's Rob just loves a, glue. Yeah, it's just a glue factory background. Um, <laughs> my question is because I saw that as well. What happens if? It doesn't go so well on set, and, and an animal <laughs> perishes. Do, it's just like an do Excel you, spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. They just do a very tiny screenshot of an Excel spreadsheet of animals used and how many were harmed and how many <laughs> like were there's, killed. There's an in memory of, and it just pictures of animals. <laughs> oh, man. We're sorry. <laughs> 17 horses, a skunk. <laughs> And a cat. <laughs> and uh, one of our valets ran over a squirrel on the way to sh- the shoot one day. Like, yeah, Sorry. okay. All right, hold on now. If if a car, say, transporting actors during a shoot okay. hits a squirrel, isn't technically an animal harmed during the making of that film? Yeah. And you know what? I'll tell you, when I was looking at the credits... There's like a million drivers. There's no yeah. excuse for that. <laughs> There's so many drivers. Have someone else drive if you're not feeling good, you know? You got to miss those squirrels, man. They're all That's your job. They're all dead. That's your one job is driving. What? Right? I like the idea that they're, I like the idea that they're all designated drivers. Like <laughs> Don't kill Amazing. animals with your car. Well, this is actually, that's funny you bring that up. I, and doing a, doing a little bit of research for today's episode, I was looking for like kind of all-time flops in the Western genre. Yeah. And uh, one movie that I was thinking about talking about was Painter Wagon. Oh, which with Clint Eastwood, the musical? Yeah, which I'd first heard about thanks to The Simpsons. And part of the reason that movie went so over budget is they filmed, filmed like i think 60 miles away from where the actors were and the crew were staying so they're spending thousands of dollars a day just transporting people to and from the set oh and it's funny you bring up designated driver because apparently lee marvin was drunk almost the entire time they were filming that That makes sense good on you lee marvin you know does that mean he fell does that mean he fell off the wagon they just painted yeah it does mean that (laughs) Makes the appropriate way to respond to that is silence. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just edit out my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he edits it and he wants it to look good. Oh, that, that actually wasn't that bad of a joke. Um, it's a good. I had another. So uh, here's a quick, a quick credit aside. Something okay. that I was upset that didn't appear in the credits. Who has the real deal? And who has a fake 
beard and mustache. That's what I want to know. In pretty much every movie that I've ever seen, but especially this one. Yeah, like it should say like Kurt Russell's mustache played by himself if it's a real legit mustache. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What if, if it's not? What if what if some of those must some of those mustaches aren't real but they're made of animal fur? Then you mm. harmed a horse. Problematic. Yeah. 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 So maybe put on that spreadsheet. So that's my theory. They are actually a lot of those mustaches aren't real, but because they were made from animal fur, they don't want to admit that, so they could still get the the thing at the mm. bottom that no no animals were harmed. Yeah, that's <laughs> that certainly sounds true. Who do you they think killed a whole herd of deer to get Sam Elliott's mustache? <laughs> Morgan's was like a dead rat. <laughs> who do you who do you, <laughs> who do you think uh, out of everybody in the movie is the most likely to have a fake? I think Kurt Russell. I what? Rob. Yeah. That's a stunt mustache sometimes. That is I'm gonna also say it most likely Kurt Russell. You guys <laughs> That's really insulting to mustache. Kurt Russell's mustache. That You're not, not gonna go with mustache. Morgan? Do you think Guys, Bill Paxton ever had facial hair? Let's pool our money together. This is what we need to do. We'll, we'll pool our money together. We'll become VIPs of Kurt Russell's wine club, so we can go to a, he has a event wine with club. Them. Yeah, and we'll find out. We'll find out for sure at one of those events if that was a real mustache. I mean, it was. I mean, I don't refuses, even have to. He refuses to reveal it, just like they won't say what was in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Sorry, I don't talk yeah. about that. <laughs> you guys are uh, right now. This is this is like how it feels to be on this podcast. It feels like you guys are Kyrie Irving, and I'm Richard Jefferson, and you're telling me the world is flat. <laughs> like it's insane what you're saying. It's <laughs> a stunt mustache. It's not a stunt mustache. Like that is that is the, that. There's no way. Now, if you're maybe talking about like a lesser. Man or action star, like I'd hear it, you know. This is but not such as such as. <laughs> Do you believe uh, that Sly Stallone could grow a mustache like that? I don't. I don't think so. I feel like he had Lasix. On Lasix? His, That's for your eyes. For your <laughs> Botox, you mean? <laughs> Whatever it, it is, the thing Basically. that removes your hair, so he doesn't ever grow hair anywhere. Because does he even oh. have hair in his armpits? That's a whole nother thing. I don't. I don't even know about that. But Sly Stallone, where's your hair? Where's your hair? <laughs> where's your hair? Hashtag Where's your hair, Sly? Uh, okay, wow. so I do have. Let's a little, start that on Twitter, uh, folks. <clears throat> I do have uh, some information here. Apparently, during production or during like when he's going around for Hateful Eight talking about it. He did say that years ago when I did Tombstone, I had a pretty decent sweeper going, and I learned that Goldie wasn't a Goldie. Goldie wasn't a real big fan, and neither was I. Um, mm. But and he was he muscled through that period, but he was quite happy to shave it off. Mm. Not a mustache it's, man, Kurt it Russell. Sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. Yeah, I mean, you you think that's cover up of his yeah. fake mustache? Yep. 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 Because no. it's made of. It's made of bear. They killed two <laughs> bears. <laughs> two bears were harmed during the making of this film. Listen, guys, for, I only know I only, I only know two things. One, 
uh, Bush did 9-11, and two, Kurt's mustache wasn't real. <laughs> and if you walk too far off uh, on the earth, you'll fall over the edge. <laughs> and you can't get sunburned when it's windy. Because <laughs> it blows the rays away from you. Yeah. Everyone you should that. ask Tom and Hayden, Thomas Hayden Church about that. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. So the Western, guys. Yes. Yeah, that's the movie we're How watching. How many autop- times do you think an autopsy, or excuse me, an autopsy, an, autopsy. <laughs> an obituary of the Western genre has been written? Uh, Seemingly every few years, based yes. on just me doing some very cursory research into this. And I thought since uh, we're, we're just wrapping up, finishing a, a talk about one of our favorite Westerns, um, what do you guys see the, the the death notice of this genre has been written many times and then just every, what, seemingly five, six, ten years, another movie comes out that just barely keeps it going or TV show. Do you do you think this genre still has some life left in it? What do you see as, as the future of this genre to keep it going and relevant into the 21st century? I think that... Part of my issue when I see these um, these articles about the death of the Western or the Western isn't what it was, I feel like isn't really is kind of expecting too much out of a Western because what happens is a movie like Wild Wild West or something like that will be a big box office um, bomb, and they'll be like, you see, westerns you can't do it doesn't work, yeah. and I think the problem is if you were to look at all-time box office for movies what western are we looking at that like killed at the box office that we somehow expect movies like uh wild wild west or cowboys versus aliens or whatever to like have monster box office takes i mean like dances with wolves did really well i think but not like i mean it did you're right dance with wolves did but like that's the exception right like that's probably one of the top westerns box office wise Right, but like, I'm looking here. If you were to compare *Dance of Wolves* uh, all time with inflation, it's 141st all time, adjusting for inflation. 138 is *Meet the Fockers*. <laughs> okay, watch your mouth, Rob. <laughs> this is a Christian podcast. So that that is actually one of the the points I was going to bring up is that I I think that the Western actually to pretty large extent it's it certainly they don't make as many anymore no but the ones that are made at the proper scale and with the proper expectations i think are just fine and and i'm glad you brought up wild wild west or the lone ranger would be another example of this like if you're spending 250 million dollars on your western you're not even making a western anymore yes you're making something else yep yeah i think that's a big problem is like you shouldn't. It shouldn't cost that much to shoot a western, by definition. <laughs> it's all the horse death. That's all, that's where the money goes. <laughs> to cover it up. Those. <laughs> These are the giant, uh, fa- nameless graves of horses. Sh- they have to spend all that money on horse hearses. Yeah. Um. So I kind of like. I I have a couple things to say. Like I I think. Uh, I mean, it's never going away it's just like <clears throat> like punk rock everybody's like oh it's dead and it's kind of to me i think what's appealing about the western is like exploring the unknown right and 
there's not a lot of periods in history where there was this big swath of land and territory where people didn't really know what was going on. There wasn't a lot of law. So you can really mm-hmm. like explore a lot of morality. Uh, you could put a lot of like imagination into it. The thing I think uh, really where it's going forward is like combination things. So like Logan being a really good example where that's like a superhero Western or uh, I think you could consider Firefly to a certain extent kind of Western-y. Sure. And I yeah. think actually like really <clears throat> outer space like movies and Westerns have like a lot in common. And then when you kind of meld the two together, it usually works pretty well. Because it's kind of the same idea where it's this like, you know, vast, wild frontier. There's no government. Like people kind of can live by their own rules. You don't know what's around any turn. Um, And I think there's something really cool and appealing about that. And you kind of really can explore human nature. Like what are people like when there's not um, one set established system around for them to follow? So you could say like Guardians of the Galaxy would be another example of what you're talking about. A little, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think there's 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 definitely like um, things that push it more. Like I think like Firefly even adopts like some of the Western aesthetic. You know, where uh, <clears throat> uh, Malcolm has like a holster, and they're often like riding. You know, when they land, they're riding horses and kind of that stuff. I think Guardians of the Galaxy certainly has elements of it, but there's, I mean. Definitely, I like. I mean, there's even comics that we don't need to talk about necessarily. That, but really, like, use sci-fi and like Western tropes simultaneously because they're they're very similar sometimes. Or like uh, Dark Towers coming out soon. Yeah, absolutely. That was another example that I had thought of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so it does seem like the Western, sort of in a postmodern way is still very much alive because movies maybe that are primarily grounded in a different genre still borrow liberally from the Western genre itself or movies that are more rooted primarily in the Western borrow from borrow from other genres. So I, I was thinking of bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Which is, is a Western, but definitely has some pretty, it borrows significantly from the horror genre as well. Mm-hmm. And that's and just rules. kind of where culture is in general. I think now is just, I mean, I'm, this is not an original thought, but it, it, like uh, everything <clears throat> is kind of like mashups, right? You know, you have like uh, your like horror westerns, your horror comedy, like that kind of stuff where like it's just combining genres. You listen to the radio, it's like rap, rock, you know, pop, dance, like all everybody. People have a wider palette, I think. <clears throat> and so like combining two genres together is kind of where I think things are going. Go on that more, like another movie that's uh, recent is Hell or High Water, which is like a modern-day Western, which is fantastic. But yeah. um, I can't imagine the budget was that big on that movie because it doesn't need to be. No. It's a Western. I don't understand why. You know, like the other example, I think, uh, is Cowboys vs. Aliens. Like, well, yeah, it's, you know, I know Cowboys is in it, and it takes place in the West, but that's a real loose version of, like what a West. Well, it's kind of like I would. I never saw that movie, but it, I mean, I bet people would maybe argue that's a little more steam steampunk than it is a Western, right? Where sure you're using all those old technologies to like make new gadgets and stuff. And and wild the wild wild west is a little like that too. Yes, for sure. Okay, so I was thinking, um, 
so part of it is sort of the business side. This, there's the idea like audiences don't want westerns. They can't make money, and then they cite examples like Wild Wild West, Lone Ranger, and stuff, which is stupid, as we just argued, and we don't need to reiterate that. And I would think that that's also like clearly untrue because there are, I think, actually more examples of really beloved shows or movies that are grounded in the West that are incredibly popular. Uh, most recently, I, I know this is another example of mixing genres, but Westworld, mm-hmm. while I, I guess it's probably more science fiction than it is Western, I think the fact that people like it so much reveals that audiences want to be in the world of the Old West. And that's sort of you know a, a, a larger point of that show is it's interesting that the sort of world that people that they choose to to base this form of escapism around is the old west mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that move tv show obviously did quite well well and i like i said i think that there is something timeless about that period of time and it's because so much of it is like there's people don't know what happened right and so like there's so much myth surrounding like that period of time and like you i mean it's easy to believe a great many like uh like a lot of different scenarios about what could happen in the old west you know like in in deadwood was that all accurate i mean probably not tombstone same thing but it it seems plausible because we don't really totally know like what happened because there was so much myth making and there was so much um inaccurate record keeping and and things like that so i think there's just something appealing about this like kind of mysterious time where people you know weren't totally under the law and uh were exploring new parts of america that they didn't know what was gonna be there and I think there's something that is always going to be appealing about that. And and it's a great landscape to... Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. To have, like, plays of morality kind of uh, exist in. Because, it, you know, it's beautiful, but also it's a pretty... You can do whatever you want with it because we don't know so much about it. And so, you know, to some extent, a lot of Westerns are someone rich is doing something terrible and there are people who are harmed by that and like that's a message that still works really well in 2017 it sure does and that yeah. that, that segues well into my sort of my next point or argument i was going to make uh, is that another argument that you see is that the reason why the western isn't as popular is because so many westerns are fueled by ideas and portrayals that are just so dated and and just don't work anymore it like it's so largely fueled by racism and sexism but I was thinking about that, and I, and I think that that's, that's a bogus argument, too. Because if you think about most of the Westerns that are, are still remembered and beloved, not very many of them like fit into that sort of traditional viewpoint of the Western, the idea of a civilizing force coming into an uncivilized uh, area. And I'm not saying I agree with th- this kind of language, but that's just sure. sort of how it's described. And that sort of conflict that ensues. I, I was thinking about my favorite Westerns and, and the ones that get still talked about, written about the most. Not very many of them are actually about that. The, the classic Westerns, I think, 
are are less about the dangers of the West, you know, whether that might be Native peoples or the landscape itself or something like that. Most of the great Westerns, in my opinion, are actually about uh, men and women going West and battling it against the ghosts from the East that follow them. So, Rob, you mentioned, you know, r- rich people doing awful things. Like, you think about Once Upon a Time in the West. Mm-hmm. That, that That's mostly about just a, a terrible capitalist coming to the West on his rail, on his rail car, yeah. trying to bring all the worst elements of, of, like, sort of East Coast capitalism to this new part of the country where things could be different. And well, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And no, and, and, I, and I think that 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 point of view is as relevant now as it ever was and and well hopefully won't always be but it sure seems to always going to be that way yeah it's it's mostly about either them having to face down personal demons that follow them from the east or or sort of broader societal demons that follow them from from the east absolutely absolutely point yeah i was i was gonna say like the 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 danger is not necessarily the landscape or like um, individual people. It's society usually. Like, I mean, you even see in this, like there is some kind of weird social order that, I mean, to stretch a metaphor that probably wasn't intended, but I mean, you could argue that like when, you know, when, when the herbs first come into town, the cowboys are running things and they have the mayor in their pocket and, they have yeah. political capital. So they're not just being evil and people aren't like, oh, these guys are wrong. Let's do something about it. It's like, well, we can't do anything because they're in control, which, yeah. I mean, that's a thing that happens throughout society, right? People that are corrupt and evil get in positions of power and end up controlling things and founding, you know, cultures, societies, cities, and that ends up being problematic. And I think that's examined a lot in westerns where you walk into the town that's run by the the bad guy and it's not just that he's like the joker and kidnapping somebody like he is in charge of that town by by technically legal means and that's uh what makes deadwood so brilliant is at the beginning of that show that seems like exactly what you're watching but then as the the story evolves you start to question like well maybe that guy isn't so bad after all yeah you know, yeah. uh, and, and of course, the like the ultimate villain of that TV show is sort of a, a monopolist capitalist that comes in who the idea of the word no has never even occurred to him. Yeah. It just just pure economic power, uh, you know, enforced by the Pinkertons who are bond paid for uh, comes in and. Well, the show never really ends properly, but I guess like basically he wins. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean because it's based at, like on on history, so he would yeah. have won had the show ended. I'm I'm assuming. The the other thing is like back to this these sort of obituaries of the old west. A lot of things they always bring up is like, hey, look how many uh, look how many westerns used to be made compared to now, and it's like, yeah, but they were like. That was the lower end of what you're talking about. Like the classic westerns that we still discuss aren't cowboys versus Indians. But yeah. during you know, during like the forties and fifties, these were like B movies that could be made for cheap and they were just like, Hey, we'll just do this. 
And um, those aren't really the Westerns that we still talk and lionize now. And I just think that it's just sort of like an unfair way to represent what Westerns are going to be moving forward. And they're going to be, they're going to be things closer to, you know, this is a lot ways back, but Unforgiven and even Hell or High Water or um, even like movies like Hard Eight and Django Unchained, which are like stylized versions. Hate, hateful Eight. Eight. Hateful Eight, yeah. Um, which are like stylized versions of the Western because it's a fun genre to play with. It's a very fun genre. Absolutely. And I, like, I mean, I, I subscribe to this philosophy. Like, I would say nearly never is something good just because of its genre, right? Like, yeah. all those movies we mentioned are good movies that happen to be Westerns. And and so they're not good because they're Westerns. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. they're just good movies that happen to be Westerns. Yeah, Magnificent Seven isn't good because it's a Western, necessarily, right? It's yeah. Seven Samurai. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and, I, and I, so I just think I, it's like you can't just take the trapping. I mean, you see this all the time when people rip off, like, Tarantino or you know different kinds of people you can't just take the trappings of its particular genre and copy them perfectly and have it be timeless or meaningful always I mean Zack Snyder is a good example of that like right he he's able to adapt things I guess this is maybe a controversial comment but he's able to adapt things really well but like to me like what he's trying to communicate like there's not there's no substance there and he's able to use all these like tropes of comic movies or whatever, but he doesn't have anything to say. <clears throat> and so it doesn't matter that he perfectly recaptures like what a panel looks like or, sure. um, you know, any of that stuff. And I mean, it would be the same thing I'm assuming with, you know, like Lone Ranger. It's like, it doesn't matter if it looks like a Western, it sounds like a Western. Is it a good movie? What does it have to say? And does it say it successfully? Yeah, it's a good point. And the one one final point I would bring up is that, and and this maybe reigns above all the other things we brought up, is that that great movies are made by people who love movies. And you you think about most of the great directors; they are they're like their own film encyclopedias. So as long as and if you love movies, uh, if movies are still going to be made by people who love movies, then they're always going to be making westerns because you can't be passionate about film with out at least having some some level of respect for this genre and yeah. obviously it's not for everybody but there's always going to be filmmakers that want to, d- to dip into this world and in, when you think about some of the best westerns of the last 20 years and, and you look at who made them like a lot of them are made by directors where you never would have thought that they would make one mm-hmm. and one example i would i would bring up would be there will be blood by paul yeah. thomas anderson That's like a great one if you showed somebody boogie nights magnolia and punch drunk love and you're like this guy's gonna make an awesome western yeah i would have been like no well actually at that point i would have believed you because he's yeah i mean it's so good that was he had such a run yeah and and obviously that's that's and that's another example of the western where what the characters are are fighting either for or against is you know these 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 parts of of civilized eastern united states society coming in there and either trying to grift off of it or trying to resist it to maintain some individualism by 
you know, battling off people trying to buy up your company or grifting off of it by coming up with your bogus church or whatever it might be. Uh, really, probably maybe the best Western of this century so far, although not, I guess, a traditional Western, quote unquote. Or uh, I guess my final point on this, too, would be part of what makes this unfair in my mind is that like the DNA of Westerns is in everything. And so, like, you know, take a look at a movie like The Searchers. Like, th- that movie was incredibly influential to, like, Spielberg, George Lucas, Scorsese. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, those are arguably three of the most influential filmmakers the last 40 years who've just continually, you know, everything they've done influences the next generation. Like, I don't know. It's just a it's a dumb conver- – it's a dumb obituary to write is ultimately how I feel about it. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a it's a waste of time to to write it. I think. And you know what's going to end it? When we make our western. That's right, Tombstone yeah. Two. Saddlebags. <laughs> we make our western. Meek's cut off. Oh no, there's already one called that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Do either of you have anything else for minute one twenty eight? Nope. Good talk. Um, good yeah. talk. I we think can people <laughs> learn something. The, uh, my, the only other thing I was going to ask you, you can cut me off here. Okay. Meek's cut off. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say we should play uh, Murder, Mary, Hug with the three Erps and Doc Holliday. Right, um, that's, that's not that, – all right, that's a good closer. Now okay. We'll still be able to stay under 40. Well, Meeks, why don't you start us off since you brought it up? Murder, Mary, Hug? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we all know that hug is a metaphor for something else, right? Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I think that I would marry um, Morgan. Okay. I think I would murder Virgil and hug Kurt or Wyatt. So, so, so Doc Holliday is not in your. In well, your... he's a lunger. Okay. So I can't marry him or like hug him because maybe I'll get a, I'll get that disease. You lunger, lunger. Right? How do you, you get? Really got a lunger. <laughs> How do you get lungerism? <laughs> Although tuberculosis. It's tuberculosis. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's tuberculosis. <laughs> Don't ruin my joke. Okay. You know, that second thought, he might be a better Mary because he's very loyal. Okay. No, that's a good point. Good point. He probably has trouble in the bedroom because he's pale and uh, sick. I'll go, Joe, okay. and you can end it. Um, right. I would marry Virgil, murder Wyatt, and hug Wait, you're going to murder Wyatt? Yeah, because if I murder anyone else, he'll come after me. Oh, good point. <laughs> good thought. That's good thought, dude. Dang it. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I think that I had the same answers as Rob, and I think that We've the been easiest one long. to say is you marry Virgil because he's the only guy in the entire film that shows any ability to have a loving relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think uh, Doc Holliday is in love with Big Nose Kate? <laughs> Big Nose Kate. I don't know. Where, where was she at the end of the movie? Well, she abandoned him. Okay. But he didn't <laughs> abandon her. How do you well, know? 
in the deleted scene that in the director's cut he does. After she nagged about his lungerism. Yeah. <laughs> Did you take your pills? <laughs> Why are you always doing that gunfighting? You're a doctor! <laughs> you have patients waiting in New York. Uh, have you looked at this appointment book? <laughs> Listen, big nose kite. That's my. That's my. Doc <laughs> oh my Holiday. god! Oh, let's end it on that. Meeks let's cut end off. It on that. End it. Meeks cut off. All right, we'll be back tomorrow, minute one twenty nine. Meeks, thanks a lot for uh, being on. You're welcome. Thank you guys for providing us with such wonderful entertainment. Oh, thank you. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with minute one twenty nine and another guest, and we announce our next podcast uh, project tomorrow too. Thank you.